If he's not a cop, what is he? He's a dark fucking spirit. Hello and welcome to the Weekly Real Podcast. My name is Ken. And my name is Jeremy. And this week we are watching uh, an action thriller, really. Um, and it's from uh, a pretty well-known uh, director, Guy Ritchie. But, you know, I haven't really watched anything recently of his. So it was pretty nice to kind of revisit his style of directing uh wasn't it nice a nice change of pace jeremy yeah i haven't seen a guy Ritchie movie since uh the man from uncle i think he directed that with henry cavill and army hammer that was the last one yeah i think that may have been my last one too so uh it was it was pretty cool to be able to go see uh wrath of man which is the movie that we are going to be talking about today um in theaters and you know we actually got to see it together uh, along with uh, Jeremy's brother, uh, Jeffrey. But before we talk about Wrath of Man, uh, let's get right into our podcast ritual. And so, uh, Jeremy, what is one notable movie or TV show that you've watched in the last week? All right. So I'm going to have you guess my movie, actually. And I'll give you a hint. Uh, we've talked about it here on the po- on the podcast before. And... You need subs to watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shoot. Uh, Need subs. Want to take a guess? Okay, I'm trying to think if it's an ironic you need subs because you can't understand what people are saying, like because they're talking about a foreign language, or if it's like some... uh, movie where you can't understand their their accents or whatever they're talking english um i'm going to go with um an anime film i don't know no. i don't know <laughs> i watched i rewatched tenet <laughs> oh. <laughs> yep. how was it man in subs <laughs> I still don't get it, <laughs> oh, dude. I was still rewatching. I did. I did catch more stuff this time. More of the dialogue. Some of the, you know, just the, just the, the actual. Some of the cool, witty, like one-liner type stuff. But in terms of the story, man, it's like whoa. There's it's still going really crazy, and the the subtitles go pretty fast. I was watching on HBO Max. Uh, me and my brother rewatching Tenant, and. And we're like, okay, we have to put on subs this time. And especially during that, oh, spoilers for Tenet, uh, during that one sequence when they're in the boats and then the, he's, um, the protagonist is doing the whole thing. <laughs> and they're on just like on radio headset things. I did not understand any of that in the movie, but uh, now reading it on the subtitles, I'm like, whoa, this totally changes everything. <laughs> right i feel like that scene and then that one scene in the red blue turnstile uh where they're talking backwards at first because we didn't really understand it at uh what was going on and uh we didn't know that they were talking backwards at first and we were like wait we're missing a lot of dialogue right now yeah man and it's kind of weird re-watching it i was like 
uh, with the subtitles on now it's like how come i couldn't understand them before but it's like something with your your mind and ears and then you're also reading it at the same time so it's like when you're able to read it you can actually hear them better too so i would actually give it a try with uh with subtitles on hbo max Right. And you know what? I think also when you're watching a movie for the first time, like what we did uh, when we watched it in Napa in the middle of uh, uh, the pandemic, we were trying to figure out what the plot was. And so, you know, we're we're not fully concentrating on the dialogue. We're just counting on our ears to actually figure all that out. And, you know, while we're trying to figure out what's going on within the actual plot. And so kind of obviously, you know, this is being a rewatch for you. You already kind of know where the story is going. You could just focus on on the uh, dialogue. Yeah, we were really trying to figure it out this time. And by the end of the movie, you're like, maybe we'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> we probably need to, uh, I guess, have that conversation offline because, well, I remember rewatching it uh a couple months ago when I actually got access to a digital copy uh, from a buddy of mine and watching it in subs. And I was the one who told you, like, dude, it makes so much more of a difference. I I remember that last um, rewatch, I was able to figure out a lot of the plot. And so I probably have to rewatch it one more time just because it's been months since I've seen it. But after I watch it a second, uh, a second time with subs, well, let's talk offline. Yeah, I definitely did enjoy it more now that I understood more of the dialogue, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, but for me uh, this week, and you know, we're we're doing a bunch of rewatches and everything, and 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 again, I, I want to you know catch um, uh, the podcast audience a little bit and give it a little bit of an update on what I've actually been watching. I'm still watching Warrior on HBO Max. I'm currently midway through season one. So again, TV shows, they take up more time. So I'm kind of working my way through some of the ones that I've shared over the past couple of weeks. Um, I also uh, finally started watching season two of Mythic Quest on Apple TV Plus uh, because it just got released last Friday. And so they released the first two episodes and they're going to be weekly every week, every Friday. So this is actually going to be my show. Uh, before Loki starts in June. So I'm like, ooh, thank goodness I have kind of a bridge between Falcon and Winter Soldier and Loki. But uh, the reason why I mention Mythic Quest again is because uh, during the first season of Mythic Quest, there was actually a one-off episode starring Jake Johnson. And for those of you who are familiar with Jake Johnson, he's actually, he plays Nick from the Fox TV show New Girl. And so he was so good in that Mythic Quest episode. He, you know, he was basically playing Nick from New Girl. Um, it actually made me miss watching New Girl. And, you know, uh, when I was watching the show, I actually stopped probably midway through season three. Uh, but I actually just started rewatching season one from the beginning because I completely forgot a lot of the uh, like the storylines and everything. And uh you know, I've always been a huge fan of Zoe Deschanel because she stars in two of my favorite movies, Elf and 500 Days of Summer. Yeah, yeah. That's I know, I know. It's two of my favorites of all time. And so it, it was pretty fun kind of rewatching the first. I got the first four episodes done um, I, that I started a couple of days ago. And um, I'll probably keep watching it kind of like while I'm eating, kind of have it on in the background. Uh, because, you know, has that kind of quirky kind of comedy uh, that's a little bit different than I've been watching. You know, me and my raunchy comedies and 
Yeah, <laughs> and on, like on the movie side, we're just going all action, all manly stuff all the time right now for some reason. Exactly, exactly. So uh, it's nice to, you know, just to have that lighthearted uh, comedy. Um, so mm-hmm. it, was, it was fun kind of revisiting New Girl. Nice. Just need to relax sometimes. <laughs> exactly. Well, Jeremy, uh, before we do start talking about Wrath of Man, let's go, you know, do a little bit of episode cleanup. And so last week we talked about Dirty Harry, which uh, Jeremy shared with me for the first time. And uh, so we this past Tuesday, we ran a poll. Uh, so, Jeremy, what was the poll and the results? So we asked everyone on our social media uh, what their favorite Clint Eastwood movie was. And some of the four options that we had were Million Dollar Baby, Dirty Harry, Gran Torino, and Unforgiven. So uh, we had a two-way tie at 33%, uh, and that was Million Dollar Baby and Dirty Harry. And then we yeah. also actually had a, you know, those were the winners, but what was pretty cool, we had a write-in vote uh of for heartbreak ridge wow uh see i've never even heard of that movie that's why i was like whoa what movie is this clint eastwood coming out with a lot he came out with a lot of movies man and he's still going for some reason it's like ooh, he, he doesn't want to stop yeah but man two weeks in a row where we've gotten ties uh for first place uh for our polls pretty cool eh yeah man it's clint eastwood all the way Right. And so I just want to remind everyone that uh, if you want to engage uh, with our social media, we, we do run these polls every Tuesday following a brand new uh, episode on our, for our main show. And we run these polls on Instagram and Twitter. And so, uh, Jeremy, what's our, what's our handle on both? So it's at Weekly Real on Instagram and at Weekly Real on Twitter. Mm, there you go. That's easy to remember. And the spelling will be in our episode notes. And so this week, Jeremy, we follow the journey of a cold and calculating character named Patrick Hill, also known as H. And he decides to start working for a cash truck company, which transports, yes, pun in, pun intended, <laughs> uh, which transports millions of dollars each week. So what can go wrong in this Guy Ritchie-directed action thriller called Wrath of Man? So before we go any further, Jeremy, I want to issue our customary spoiler warning uh, because, you know, we will be breaking down details of the movie. And so if you haven't watched Wrath of Man yet, definitely hit that pause button. Visit your local movie theater because, you know, they are hurting as an industry. Uh, Buy some popcorn enjoy the movie then come back to the weekly real podcast and hit that play button and join the uh, join the discussion with us and so speaking of the discussion like you know what, let's talk about details within wrath of man and so kind of going into the movie uh did you have any like expectations or did you want to share any of your first impressions of the movie yeah so uh kind of offline we were kind of talking about how I've been watching more trailers and all that stuff and kind of that kind of that's how I've been choosing which movies I I've been watching recently and Wrath of Man was one of them that was a, a trailer that I saw and I was like Ken you got to see this you know we got to see this movie called Wrath of Man uh, with Jason Statham and uh now Ken you saw the the trailer post watching the movie and then you're like <laughs> it spoiled the hella I'm like 
Yeah, because it did. It actually showed, like, obviously spoilers, uh, that um, H's son dies in the trailer. And I knew that going into the movie. And so a lot of the movie, I was wondering, I'm like, I know his son's going to die. I know where this is going. I, I knew where this is leading. But I also like that there was, like, I didn't know that he was going to be a mob boss. He wasn't just the generic 80s action hero where it's like, oh, he had military background. <laughs> yeah. He was the armed special forces and whatever that. And you killed his son. And then obviously revenge story. I thought it was going to be that. Mm-hmm. I honestly thought it was going to be that. But I'm glad. In a way, it it um, at first I was a bit disappointed it wasn't that. <laughs> at first, because, <laughs> you know, it... it um, it kept the character that keeps the the protagonist uh, clean in a way, more heroic. But now that he's actually like some type of mob boss, it definitely puts the character in a more gray area. So I, it's like once that reveal happened, I didn't know how to feel about him, and it just shows. You know, I obviously grown to accept it, and I like I actually grown to like that twist uh, because. Now you watch the movie and no one is really a good, like, upstanding character. Yeah, I definitely did not see that coming, too. Uh, I will admit, I, I guess during the movie, because, you know, you know, you don't really know all the details yet. I was really confused as to what the whole dynamic was. But after completing the movie and knowing that really he was just there, uh, it was like wrong place at the wrong time with his son. Uh, but really, he was, uh, re, you know, doing some reconnaissance work for his own, like, uh, mob to see if they can actually rob that <laughs> that cash uh, truck and everything. And it just so happens that another group beat him to it, uh, which obviously were the the villains of the story. And so I definitely agree with you. It was nice and refreshing to basically just see two villains going at it, even though you're led to believe that, oh, H is actually a uh, protagonist of the story just like you said mm-hmm. and I, I do like that even though he's like a mob boss uh he has a bit of a heart he has a moral code obviously mm-hmm. when they went into that um almost sex trafficking uh oh, area yeah. obviously he's like kill all of them and then give like how many millions of dollars to the girls and let them go i'm like dang man this guy's crazy but he's awesome at the same time yeah, when he when he found out that they were underage, and that that one dude who was already kind of naked in the in the uh, in the corner or whatever, when he found out, I was like, "Hey, uh, the, you're they're underage, right?" Or I, I forget how they actually said it, or he actually said it when they confirmed that they were underage or whatever, and that he ended up just shooting like more bullets into that dead body. I was like, "Dang!" I was like, "Dude, suffer, you know, suffer." <laughs> yeah. You're like the scum of the earth. You know what I mean? That was nuts, man. And the sound, the sound, uh, what do you call it? Sound engineering of the movie. It's just so good in the movie, I think. Just with every gunshot, you feel that. I know. And it, it def- definitely helped that we watched it in XD. I mean, it just so happens that we watched that showing because, you know, worked out for our schedule because obviously, uh, you know, Jeremy, Jeremy's uh, working pretty late on a, on a Friday night. We had to, you know, just accommodate and everything, but I'm really did. Glad, uh, I'm really glad that we did see it in XD because we really felt a lot of those gunshots. You felt the bass for sure. 
Mm-hmm. Did you have any expectations going into the movie? Well, uh, I mean, you did mention like the trailer, and I'm. I'll, I'll, since you mentioned it earlier, um, I will mention this is something that I watched after the fact. Um, I'm really glad that I didn't watch the trailer before the movie because then I was really surprised um, that it was, you know, his son or whatever. Um, yeah, they did that flashback where they actually, you know, showed the son and everything. But I, at that time, I still didn't know what was going on and everything. And uh, I think the first chapter did a really good job of uh, just le- leading the audience on in terms of, okay, the only people that you're aware of that died during that heist were the first two truck drivers, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and you didn't, I didn't make the connection at least that it was uh, Dougie, who uh, is H's son, who was the lone civilian that did get, uh, I guess, wasted in 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 that scene. So, um, going in, I didn't have any expectations because I mean, I barely saw TV spots, and I was like, "Dude, this looks pretty cool." You know what I mean? And I'm not really paying attention to commercials in general because that's usually you know, the time that I get snacks and everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so uh, all I know is that uh, we were excited just to watch a Guy Ritchie movie and uh, it was action and it's Jason Statham. So it has to be at least entertaining, right? Yeah. And dude, like the cast in this, uh, well, I have to also mention, like you mentioned, um, the opening sequence. It's just like this one take and that one opening scene of the whole movie sets up the rest of the movie entirely like sets it up so well because there's this huge mystery just with what's going on the way the camera was positioned and how it panned over just enough so you can see a little bit of what's happening but not too much and you can hear just enough uh to get your mind uh, uh imagining things and obviously uh it's later on explained in the three or four uh, chapters of the movie. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, they intentionally just kind of made it, you know, because you're, you're watching that opening scene from the perspective of the, the, the truck drivers and uh, you know, there's stuff going on. Obviously there's like, you know, people pulling guns at you. There's people trying to break into the truck and you could just, you get that feeling of, uh, like claustrophobia and stuff is going to happen and you're going to die. And I, I really did like, like the feeling that uh, guy Richie uh, gave for us, the audience, you know, during that scene, because dude, that tracking shot was pretty sick. Mm-hmm. That was cool. And yeah, like I was going to mention the cast in this, I, I was like, Oh look, it's that person. It's that person. And uh, I gave that little clue last week where it's like, Oh, mm-hmm. there's a cast member. That's a little bit related to Dirty Harry, and obviously it was Scott Eastwood, the the son of Clint Eastwood, and I don't know if it, he looked pretty obviously like Clint Eastwood. Yeah, he kind of looked a little bit uh, obviously like Clint Eastwood, but to me he uh, looked a little bit like, uh, and you know we're fans of the WWE. He kind of reminded me a little bit of CM Punk. <laughs> I could see that, yeah, especially <laughs> that he had that little bit of a CM Punk swagger going to his mm-hmm. character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if, if they had a love child. <laughs> if he that just had a him. bunch of tattoos also. 
Yeah, exactly. And he had that uh, crazy looking scar for his eye that uh, obviously H was kind of looking for um, when he was trying to hunt down who who murdered his son. And it makes all, you know, makes all the sense in the world, you know, especially during that first action sequence when he's like unmasking uh, these random dudes, including uh, Post Malone. <laughs> shoot. Yeah, I remember <laughs> when Post Malone showed up, you're like, oh, it's Post Malone. And I'm like, oh, shoot, I forgot about this. I think they, yeah, sh- they were- might have showed it in the trailer. Yeah, so. uh, I ended up finding out after the fact that they showed the trailer. And see, that's another thing that I caught during the trailer. I'm like, dude, I'm glad I didn't see that because then I would have, it would have taken away the whole um, discovery. I'm like, oh shoot, is that Post Malone? <laughs> yeah, that was fun, man. But yeah, I, like the cast, I have to give it like quick shout out to uh, Jeffrey Donovan who plays Jackson, basically the leader of the uh, mm-hmm. the heist group, Sarge. Sarge, yeah. And just the, his, the way he narrates, because I watched him in Burn Notice for, I think, all six, I forgot, six or seven seasons. Might be even eight. I think, mm-hmm. I think it might be seven. Uh, just the way he narrates everything. And I'm glad he narrated that last heist. Oh, because dude, that was the way sick. he narrates everything. Yeah, the, the way he was uh, basically going through the plans of the heist in, in like with each scene, it was actually kind of going through the next stage of whatever plan that, you know, that final plan that they were doing on Black Friday. Mm-hmm. Because uh, me and my brother were talking about the movie uh, after we watched it. And we mentioned, or he mentioned that he really liked how during that last heist, yeah, we, we were getting almost like a play-by-play of what was happening. Because usually yeah. in heist movies, you would actually get the plan beforehand. Before, yeah. And then you would see maybe how it goes wrong or something like that um, when it actually plays out. But it actually helps you explain what's actually happening on screen. And there's always like... I always get that nitpick or I feel this nitpick in heist movies when the heist group is like, oh, go to the bank and go like while they're actually performing the heist. They're basically calling out each other's names or or calling out what it's like, what do I have to do next? It's like, you know, it's like you should remember the plan. You're professionals. Uh, But, you know, and the way they did it in this movie, they all were like a well-oiled machine. I thought that was cool. Right, because uh, like what the, what Jeremy's talking about is that when when you actually show the when they were actually showing the parts uh, at the depot, they weren't actually you know divulging the plan. They were actually just doing the plan, and uh, they were actually you know pretty slick and you know just kind of hiding each other's um, like identities. They were just kind of going by like numbers uh, to identify who was what who was who, um, and so that was pretty cool. Um, the way they did that. And so um, were there any other like overall thoughts that you wanted to share on the movies, different aspects of the movie that you did like um, stuff that maybe you didn't like? Um, I would probably say I really enjoyed the really dark tone of it and just the music that accompanied it as well. Just, I love the tone of the movie. I think, you know me, I love the really dark and eerie movies. And mm-hmm. this, I think this is right up my alley where it's like dark crime thriller type movie. And I really enjoyed that. Uh, but I think there was sometimes uh, unevenness sometimes to uh, the editing sometimes, I feel like, or sometimes the tone. Uh, but overall, I really enjoyed the movie. 
Yeah, that uh, that music they were playing. Dun, 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 dun. I was like, ooh, it gets you hyped. <laughs> yeah, man. I, like that opening um, opening theme song sequence, almost like the intro. It, I, it almost felt like I was watching a intro to a TV show. Yeah. Well, for me, I got the the vibes of like a Bond film, mm. <laughs> like a darker like a darker version. You know what I mean? <laughs> That would be crazy because you you're like oh uh, after we watch the movie you're like oh what if they made a sequel, <laughs> <laughs> dude that'd be pretty cool. I I don't know how they would do it, but uh, I'm sure uh, Guy Ritchie could think of something. Just because mm-hmm. I feel like this movie, uh, I feel like will do pretty well. Well, you know, adjusted numbers with the pandemic and everything. Um, you kind of going along with some some general overall thoughts. Um, I really did like the some of the camera angles in the in this movie. Um, I mean, you were talking about the tracking shots, uh, especially in the beginning, dude. There were some like tracking shots that I noticed that uh, on some like mundane, like just dialogue driven uh, scenes. Like, remember that uh, first scene when uh, Bullet is introducing H to all the guys and the one girl in the locker room. I don't know if you noticed, but I was like noticing that it was just panning and and it was just one take. It it, it looked like a professional version of like an amateur movie, which I like, you know, where it's mm-hmm. like, okay, let's just, instead of like these quick cuts, which we normally see, it's like the norm now. It's cool to be able to see like a more modern take on like a longer cut because, you know, last week. We were talking about longer cuts, but it was mainly like stationary. They, you know, it was just the way they they filmed back in the uh, '70s or you know back in the day. But mm-hmm. you got to see, you know, like an updated version of it. And um, I don't know, just it was pretty cool to be able to see that kind of editing. Yeah, it is. I think really a, a beautifully shot movie, especially like they're just simple stuff when uh it's like super creative when uh h goes out of the sex trafficking place and like enters the car and there's the guy next to him then there was like this it was like the camera was attached to the to the door and Mm -hmm. so it like closed in but then it then slowly panned again uh uh zoomed in i was like dang man this is some crazy stuff in terms of the the camera work yeah, they got creative. There was remember at one at one point there was that first person view uh, at at the depot um, when they were like, oh, you know, it's, we get to see in the eyes of like what's going on. Yeah, and they even had like you know these crazy like camera angles where uh, you know they would, like even have it so that it's upside down and everything. And they even had that weird that crazy shot with uh, well Staples Center. They didn't really have it like said like on top of the roof like it normally does but you could definitely tell that it was staples center um i just like how creative guy Ritchie got with uh, a lot of his camera angles it was pretty cool and uh even that one scene i it was you could tell it was just like just for aesthetics remember that one scene where h and his uh like the rest of his guys were just like literally standing and H is like looking out out of nowhere. And then it was like perfectly framed. And you got one guy over the left shoulder and one guy over the right shoulder and one guy kind of in between. You could tell that that was just there for aesthetics for, you know, the, to make the movie look cool for that one scene. It didn't really make sense <laughs> in, the, in the grand scheme of the whole uh, scene, but even that looked really good. Yeah, man. I feel like I need to rewatch this movie 
just the I feel like I would enjoy it more the second time, so I'm not just like all tense the whole movie. <laughs> I know. And sweaty. Seriously. Well, you know what? Let's get into our topics because we do have a couple of topics that we do want to talk about. I mean, we kind of touched on it a little bit. But in Wrath of Man, Guy Ritchie does play around with timelines and, you know, different perspectives. And he divides the movie into four Quentin Tarantino-esque chapter titles. And so uh, basically the first three chapters set up the fourth and final chapter. And so out of the first three chapters, uh, which were titled A Dark Spirit, Scorched Earth, and Bad Animals Bad, which narrative uh, and perspective was your favorite out of the first three? Uh, I would probably say A Dark Spirit was my favorite. Just because, just going into the movie, I also did forget all about the trailers. I was so immersed into the movie and into the mystery of it. And I loved just not knowing who the, the who H was. And mm. it's like, if the whole movie, I don't know who he is and it just ends... I'm, I feel like I'm okay with that <laughs> just for some reason when I was watching that, that chapter. Uh, and obviously he's going through kind of some of the mundane stuff of being a, a security guard for the cash, uh, cash trucks. I, I kind of enjoy watching that kind of stuff, just like the setup. Uh, and then obviously into uh, kind of revealing his real intentions of like, oh, he scored a 70, just barely passing. <laughs> it's like oh man you know this guy's he's on the mark actually but i really enjoyed that part of the movie just because there's like uh, there's so much mystery and uh i really liked h's character i think his perspective in that first part of the movie yeah you're definitely trying to figure out like okay what's his background you're trying to figure it out and for me i didn't have any clue because you know no trailer or anything like that went in pretty blind and um, and just like you said, just kind of going off of uh, what you're talking about for that first chapter of Dark Spirit, I really did like a little bit of the banter, even though some of it got really cheesy and a little bit much. But you basically got locker room like humor and uh, like basically basically shit talking uh, amongst all of the uh, the coworkers, I guess. Mm-hmm. Him and him and Bullet, especially uh, Holt McCallany's character. And just seeing him again, I'm like, man, I miss Mindhunter. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I really did like their dynamic and everything. Just uh, and, and I'll get into a little bit of the banter a little bit later on in the episode. Uh, but if I had to choose out of the first three, I, I would have to choose Bad Animals Bad uh, because I thought it was pretty cool to see the villain's perspective. Uh, kind of from the beginning, you know, you got to see what their motivations were, what their dynamic within the group was. And you know what? I like to kind of compare this to a, you know, a franchise, a video game franchise that, I mean, I don't really know too many nowadays, but I got to compare it to the way Bungie Studios decided that Halo 2, the video game, would be more of a story about not only the protagonist, you know, in Master Chief, but we also got to see the perspective of uh, of the villains uh, within that universe, you know, from the first Halo. And we got to see the Arbiter. And so I feel like the, the, the comparisons are, are very similar. We got to see a lot of the buildup uh, with, you know, how 
you know, like Sarge was kind of leading the group and like kind of their motivations, obviously needing the money and uh, what some of their smaller jobs were um, kind of before. And, you know, it's pretty cool to see Sarge with his family and him having a regular mall job uh, that uh, we never really got to see. But, you know, that's what was supposedly paying the, you know, the um, the bills at the time. And so um, I just thought it was pretty cool to, uh, the way that the third chapter set up, um, you know, like their motivations v- beautifully. And, and it also set up and planted the seeds of dissension within the ranks of the villains that they obviously paid off in the fourth and final chapter. Yeah, I think that's a really good chapter. Also, just for the fact that you can like you're not showing Jason Statham, your star of the movie for so long and have the movie still so engaging. Mm-hmm. I think is just a testament to the writing and those characters as well. Yeah. Cause I mean, yeah, like you said, we, we got to invest uh, time with these characters. Um, you know, you're talking about Jackson, you know, Sarge, I see him as Vance from, uh, <laughs> from that Will Smith movie, uh, Hitch. <laughs> he was like the kind of the asshole uh, in that movie. And then we got to see mother's milk from the boys. One of our favorite shows that are, uh, is currently going on right now. Yeah, and when you're like, hey, is that Mother's Milk? It's like, yep, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's him. Yeah, so it was pretty cool to be able to kind of see those different perspectives. Uh, you know what, Jeremy, let's uh, quickly get into our uh, final topic of the first half of the episode. And obviously, Jason Statham was a central figure of Wrath of Man. And, you know, he's played a lot of badass characters throughout his acting career, like Frank Martin in the Transporter franchise, uh, Deckard Shaw from the Fast and the Furious franchise, and of course, H from Wrath of Man. And so, uh, you know, I just kind of want to have this fun topic. Out of these three Jason Statham characters, who do you think wins in a fight? No weapons. Just a no fight. No weapons. Uh, for me, I was going to, I would say Deckard Shaw because he fought The Rock and won. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, like, he survived a rock bottom. <laughs> so, and, you know, no one survives from that, apparently. <laughs> um, but now, now, if The Rock hit the uh, people's elbow, that would have been over. Oh, yeah, that would have been over for sure. But, yeah, I would say Deckard Shaw hand to hand because everyone in the Fast and Furious uh, franchise is now like a superhero. <laughs> yeah. So they have like hyper durability and all that stuff and just crazy flips and all that stuff. But yeah, I would probably say Deckard Shaw would win hand to hand against the other two. I would actually agree with you on that. Um, and you know what? My reasons are, are pretty much the same. I was like, oh, I got to mention The Rock and how he went toe to toe with uh, with uh, he basically went one on one with the great one. <laughs> you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and also I remember that one scene uh, in Hobbs and Shaw, where remember they're going through the gauntlet uh, of a bunch of uh, a bunch of guys. Well, The Rock had that one big dude, but Decker Child like literally went through like a bunch of other guys, and uh, you know it, it ended in a kind of a funny way. But I feel like Decker Child would basically easily kick these two guys' ass, even though they're the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was actually surprised in um, in Wrath of Man that we didn't get any, like, really hand-to-hand from Jason Statham, really. I mean, a little bit of knife play, but not too much. Yeah, a little bit. Plus, he, he kind of struggled a little bit against uh, that one random guy. I, I forget who he was. 
Um, I mean, obviously he killed mother's milk, RIP. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I felt like he kind of struggled a little bit. That's why I couldn't go with H uh, in terms of like an actual straight up fight. But now, uh, Jeremy, you know, again, out of these three Jason Statham characters, who do you think would win in a gunfight? Dude, I would have to say H. Because, dude, like just him right off the bat with the, just using a handgun. And I love the uh, the beginning where he's like, you're just going to put us in, you're just going to give us a handgun. And then that's it. Against like, a machine oh, gun? Yeah, against the automatic <laughs> rifles and all that stuff. But I'm like, and then obviously he just takes out anyone. Like they had uh, machine guns and all that stuff. But he's like chilling, just like ready to bend his pants and all that stuff. Like just waiting for them to run out of ammo. And just basically, he goes a little bit John Wick on them. He's actually might be even a little bit more accurate uh, than John Wick from from afar. Yeah, no, it was pretty crazy, and um, I yeah, I, it was pretty cool to be able to say that he, you know, obviously to kind of hide who he actually was, he purposely like got seventy percent. That's got to be more impressive than a hundred percent. You know, like trying to get 100% like bullseye all the time to uh-huh. purposely get 70% I feel is really impressive but also the fact that he pretty much did surgery on Jan at the end oh like and in perfectly in the right spots dude using just a handgun I'm like dude that that accuracy man yeah I know he's just standing there but still yeah, we'll definitely get to that scene later. I definitely want to kind of do a deeper dive on that, uh, on that scene as well. But, uh, dude, like that that gun work that he did on Post Malone, whew, <laughs> so good. <laughs> <laughs> and I love his one-liners, too. Oh, dude, they're so good. But, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we wanted to kind of segue, you know, from this fun topic into our audience question. Uh, and so, I mean, we kind of talked about three of jason statham's character but you know characters but he you know he's been in more films and so we wanted to ask you guys the audience what is your favorite jason statham role and so uh jeremy do you do you actually have a favorite um you know i looked at his imdb and i haven't watched too many of his movies actually um i feel like i need to go back and rewatch a lot of his movies um but I feel like H really does stand out to me. I feel like this is one of his better characters in the last few years. I agree. And just uh, in the, I don't know, interest of saying something different, because <laughs> I, I did really like H. I don't know if it's recency bias, but I'll go with Shaw, uh, especially the way he portrayed him in Hobbs and Shaw. Um, I just thought it was pretty cool to see that whole dynamic. Uh, with him in The Rock and obviously with uh, him and uh, Vanessa Kirby, who who is his sister within that uh, that world. Uh, but also I want to give an honorable mention because, you know, usually he's like the main guy in, in these movies or at least a co-star. I want to give an honorable mention to Handsome Rob uh, as he plays a supporting character in The Italian Job. Uh, have you seen The Italian Job? I have not. Yeah, hey, I, I think not in a while at least. Yeah, I, I think it's actually a pretty cool heist movie, and it's another movie where he's starring uh, opposite Charlize Theron, even though he's more of a supporting guy. Um, he's playing the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, if you definitely, um, if you guys want to join uh, the conversation, 
Uh, please definitely hit us up on both our Twitter and Instagram. You can always DM us or uh, just drop into our mentions on Twitter. Uh, what's our uh, what's our handle on both? At Weekly Real. Yes, and uh, you know we can also accept some of some emails as well. Have you figured out what our email address is? Yeah, because we got that write-in vote for the poll, right? Did that come in through email, right? Yeah, or- I no, I don't think so. Like, oh. I think that came in through social media. <laughs> okay, never mind. So it's it's not at po box at gmail dot com. Ooh. Close, but yet so far away. I don't, I don't, dude, there's P.O. boxes still, right? Yeah, there is. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if there's E.P.O. boxes, but, um, you know, we do have email and we are at weeklyrealpod at gmail.com. So, Jeremy, let's take a quick break. All right, welcome back from the break. And uh, Jeremy, let's get right into the Weekly Reel Awards. And so obviously this was a, an action movie and I think it's only right that we give out uh, our first award, the Does Anyone Want to Get Out Award for Best Action Sequence. And so Jeremy, who's your winner? Dude, I think it clearly for me has to go to the, the Black Friday mm-hmm. heist because mm-hmm. that is freaking crazy. And just when when the automatic rifles started going off, my ears were hurting a little bit. But I'm like, this hurt. This it's good. I like this. <laughs> I love the intensity and and just the fact that like like we talked about before, the way they narrated that scene, they broke down that heist. Uh, I love that it actually went according to plan, and just the way that uh, it sets up that final scene of the movie. Yeah, I mean, that was definitely the obvious answer. That's actually my winner as well. I mean, <laughs> for me, I felt it in my soul. Um, like when when those uh when those uh assault rifles were going off. It was actually the like kind of similar to the way and I'm going back to Halo again. The first time I played Halo 4, I felt like, you know, you just like, "Whoa, I, there's like more bass to this." And I, <laughs> it, and it had been so long since we've gotten to watch a movie where there's like straight up gunfire in in the movie theater i think what the last movie we saw was tenet in the movie theater with gunfire and um i don't know i just for me i got heat vibes um do you know uh have you heard of the 1995 movie pacino and uh, de niro mm-hmm, i've heard it yeah yeah um but it reminded me of that bank heist scene so dude the machine guns dude the chaos the body count uh, there was uh, some hand-to-hand combat with some knives and stuff, and we got the swerves like towards the end, dude. It was so good. Yeah, and just the it's not just like mindless action at the same time. There's the story is moving at the same time, and uh, you get some you know character moments also. You know, like obviously H is trying to. Uh, they're all in like these black armored costumes, so he's trying to figure out which one is the one who killed Dougie. Obviously, he's looking for Scott Eastwood's character. Um, but yeah, while he's doing that, you also got Bullet uh, mm-hmm. basically like turning on everybody at the same time. And that, at the same time, you're like, oh man, I like this character. Yeah. And he, he ends up killing the character that you hated at first, 
uh, Boy Sweat played by uh, Josh Hartnett. <laughs> Josh Hartnett, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> you hated him at first, but then he became kind of uh, likable in a way because of how, like, non-Jason Statham he is. <laughs> <laughs> and just, it's like, oh, he tried, but he, he died because freaking bullet, man. Yeah, he shot him with a bullet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh man but um you know what let's get into our next award actually you know what we haven't done this in a while where kind of give you a little bit of a choice and so um jeremy your choice do you want to give out the uh the i am groot award for favorite character or do you want to give out the malekith award for most hated character Okay, so I'm going to give out the Malekith Award for most hated character, but in a good way this time. Ooh, okay. uh, you know, I, I liked him. Uh, I liked to hate the character of Jan, played by Scott Eastwood, because he did give off that really like I'm a I'm a smug asshole guy, but at the same time, I also appreciated he was he was an asshole, but not to the point where it was to the detriment of his performance of performing the heist i hate those like stereotypical characters where oh i'm the dumb one i'm the reckless one and then yeah. he's gonna ruin the heist for everyone else uh but like uh sarge said it's like oh he, he's a good soldier he'll finish the job and he pretty much did uh all the other guys pretty much died yeah he did end up putting the final blow on on sarge but he was he was a goner already uh, but I love that you can basically see his character they didn't really give a crap about anybody. And even though he killed Dougie, there was like that that moment where he could have possibly felt remorse when he was reading the, the autopsy report, but he did not even like acknowledge it. It's like, ooh, dang. And that's why I, I really love to hate that character. Yeah, because I mean, really, I think, just um, the reason why he killed Dougie, and I could be wrong, you know, with uh, character motivations and everything. I think it was just because with that struggle with the two um, truck drivers, they ended up pulling down his masks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, Dougie actually got to see his face. Um, and, you know, uh, you know, obviously he would be a witness in, in, in a double murder. And so he basically, you know, if you think about it from Jan's perspective, he had to actually get rid of the witness uh, to kind of cover his own ass, and obviously he didn't give a fuck anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he he's like, you know, he saw my face. I gotta kill him. But everyone else was like, "Wow, well, you killed a kid, bro!" All yeah. that stuff. But yeah, he's like, "Oh, gotta do what I gotta do. Kill all witnesses." Yeah, so and I so it, yeah, and just to add to kind of what you were talking about, um, I I kind of like Jan's character uh, because you know he was kind of a loose cannon of a foot soldier, but you got to see him kind of have that story arc where he's actually kind of thinking of himself and that he ended up obviously wanting a uh, one upping everyone. You know, he, he, he saw a, an opportunity for him to, you know, just take advantage and take the whole pot for himself. And, you know, I, I think I mentioned it during the movie. I was like, dude, I got, I got Joker vibes from uh, the very beginning of dark Knight during that whole bank heist in that after, um, you know, their colleagues were kind of dropping like flies or whatever. All you have to do is just kill off Sarge and kill off bullet. And he ended up getting like the whole $150 million or whatever it was, uh, all to himself. Yeah, and uh, I love the foreshadowing of of Bullet, where he's like, 
they call me Bullet, but I'm not as fast as I used to be or something like that. And then later on, um, obviously, he tries to kill Jan. Bullet tries to kill Jan. And, and then he's like, too slow. Too slow. Yeah. <laughs> he gets headshotted. Oh, dude, that was brutal. That was um, well, for me, um, I will actually give out the same award, the Malekith Award. And actually, I have to disagree with you. My winner for the Malekith Award is Boy Sweat Dave, uh, Josh Hartnett's <laughs> character. I really could not stand that guy because, I mean, in the beginning of the movie, you know, he starts off being a dick, <laughs> kind of an asshole and trying to talk big, you know, like with the whole locker room talk. And then remember when they were, uh, I guess, making that one drop off, and this is before we knew that Bullet was obviously the inside guy. He was like, Oh, uh, uh, you know what? Uh, well, let's leave. I mean, we, you know, we have hundreds of millions. It's only ten thousand dollars. <laughs> I was like, dude, you're gonna leave your boy Bullet for you know just to save your own ass or whatever. Mm. And, I, and I get it. And you know what? I, I I'm glad that H's like, dude, you can leave <laughs> if you want. I was like, we're not leaving Bullet. And so I don't know. I I didn't like the fact that I mean anyone could be a coward, dude. I would probably be one of those that would be. Like if if I were in a situation like that, I'm getting down, face to the <laughs> face to the floor, hands up. I don't want to like I don't want any trouble. I'm I'm a coward. But for you to talk like such a big game and you're just like such an asshole, you know, you, like you're basically putting up this front and you're gonna be like a coward like that. I'm like, eh. and to me, I felt like the whole kind of redemption arc where, you know, he kind of gains that courage or whatever didn't really work with me because really all he did was shoot a guy that was already wounded. He killed that one <laughs> black dude. And then obviously he gets, uh, he gets taken out by bullet. And I'm like, dude, that was it. That was like the, uh, that was a payoff for his redemption arc. Just shooting a wounded guy. <laughs> yeah. It was more like, for me, it was more like, um, like a pity thing. It's yeah. like, oh, yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, he's he's not Jason Statham. And it's like, oh, he died. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, damn it, they wasted uh, screen time on him. I would have been fine if he was like an asshole. And then he ended up being, uh, I don't not necessarily like the inside guy, but maybe Bullet, um, like basically say, hey, you know what? Why don't you join the team? Like he gets recruited to be a bad guy. I'm like, oh, dude, OK, then I would hate him for like a good reason. Mm -hmm, of, that's true yeah so i don't know that's just i guess my thoughts on that and so let's get into our next award um it's kind of one of our favorite awards that we do give out because you know we get to talk about dialogue and this movie had some pretty good one-liners and so let's give out the why is gamora award for favorite quote yeah there's some good ones but i'll choose one and uh, obviously they were they, they set it up and uh basically when when jason statham finally kills post malone and then walks by Bullet and uh, and uh, what's his name, Boy Sweat, Boy, Boy Sweat, Sweat Dave. Dave. Yeah, he's like, yeah. did you make poo poo? <laughs> is your diaper still clean? I'm like, oh yeah, the freaking. See, I love just one liners like that. I'm like, it just brings me back. I'm like, oh man, am I watching Commando <laughs> <laughs> or uh, Total Recall? <laughs> yeah, shoot. Yeah, that making poo poo. You know what? This is kind of random. Uh, we're, you know, we're both family. We're Filipinos. I always thought the making poo-poo was like a Filipino, like, a you know, like English type of saying, you know what I mean? Because I've never heard anyone say making poo-poo unless they were Filipino and really English is not their first language. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> and to yeah. be able to hear H say it, 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 I thought it was pretty funny the way he said it to uh, to Boy Sweat Dave. <laughs> yeah, it just makes it better because of his like really gruff voice saying that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I have another H um, quote, uh, and my winner for the Wise Gamore Award is H. And you know me, Jeremy, dude, I'm a huge foodie. And do you remember that one scene? It's it's a really mundane scene of uh, when H is making his first pickup with Bullet. And, you know, they had just picked up, uh, you know, the cash for that first delivery. And, you know, they were just talking and walking. And and then Bullet goes, I like the way you handle that cart. Where'd you learn <laughs> that technique? And H is like, spent a lot of time at supermarkets shopping. And then Bullet goes, I can picture it now. A paragon of modern men on a wild search, stalking down the aisles, hunting for Pop-Tarts. And then H is like, Pop-Tarts are not really my poison, Bullet. I prefer to lose myself in a dizzy food coma of synthetic cheese. And I think he says impossible meat. (laughs) So I was like, is he like, is he vegetarian? (laughs) So I don't know if that's exactly what he said. I really couldn't understand his his accent. (laughs) So that may be wrong. So... But I yeah. dude, I love that exchange. Yeah, I love that that little just you know just a little fun little dialogue right there because they're not really taking it seriously. They're just you know wheeling some cash and just imagine Jason Statham going into the, like, going through the grocery store. <laughs> That's what I was imagining at that moment. I know that would be super intimidating. I was like, whoa, okay, <laughs> don't cross that guy. I know, but yeah, it's just so funny to me. I was cracking up. Uh, let's go on to our next award, Jeremy, and uh, we haven't given this uh, this award out in a few episodes. Let's give out the Avengers Assemble Award for favorite scene. Ooh, I'm going to say I really liked the the attempted heist when, when Bullet got captured in Post Malone basically gets killed by Jason Statham. But just the way that that build up when he's throwing the bags into the truck and obviously he misses one on purpose. Then yeah. there's that little move of the throw oh, and pull out yeah. the gun at the same time. Dude, that was I love, that was so smooth. Yeah, yeah. I love just like when the all of a sudden the protagonist of the story can like show out show off like their hidden skills all of a sudden and just pull like everyone's just like just he's you can almost see him counting how many rounds are going off in that uh automatic assault rifle and then getting his chance to like just kill everyone super quick i i really like that type of stuff yeah no that one like i mean uh, you know it was one of those movies in the beginning it had really good setup because you know i was pretty entertained with the dialogue and everything but really that was like the first time well actually the second time after the first scene obviously with the the main storyline but you got to see h like with his skills and uh you know again i'll go back to i'm kind of glad that i didn't see the trailer but they showed basically a lot of that scene in the trailer i'm like damn it's a good thing i didn't see it otherwise i wouldn't have enjoyed it as much as i did Mm -hmm. but like i said i was pretty immersed in the movie so my mind wasn't going to the trailer too much well, that's movie. good. Uh, that'd be better than me, I should say. So uh, my winner for the Avengers Assemble Award uh, for favorite scene has to be at the very end. I mean, we got the, uh, you know, we got the whole, oh, shoot. They got the, they gave the reveal of why they named that final chapter uh, 
liver, lungs, spleen, and heart. And dude, I, I just love that scene when H, uh, you talked about it earlier, made Jan read the, the report from the, the, the autopsy report. And uh, dude, he goes into this whole dialogue. And it's the only reason why I didn't uh, pick this as my actual winner for the Wise Gamora's because I actually wanted to save it for the Avengers Assemble. H goes, in summary, the liver, the lungs, the spleen, and the heart. And, you know, like, he, you know, this was after he read the whole report. And then Jan was like, what the fuck do you want? And then H literally goes, I want your liver and shoots him literally right in the liver. And then the lungs shoots him in the lungs. The spleen shoots him right in the spleen. And then he goes, by the way, his name was Dougie. And then he doesn't say anything. He just shoots him in the heart. I'm like, oh, my God, that dude, mm. that was so good. And obviously this was, wasn't even talking about how the whole reveal about how he had, like, tracked him because, he, you know, he, he slipped the phone in that bag in the depot when all the craziness was going on. Dude, the fact that he just shows up in the corner and the in, in the and just shows up out of nowhere, it's like, oh shoot, that's pretty crazy. But um, I got to give it to that scene. Yeah, I mean, I I still wonder how he survived because he got shot up pretty good by by bullet mm-hmm. at the end. I was like, dang, is he really dead? Obviously, he's not dead. It's like he's Jason Statham, but it's like he got shot a lot. <laughs> so, but then again. Uh, he survived one time before he can do it again. Yeah. And he wasn't really moving in that scene too. So it's not like he was trying to like run or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But Jeremy, let's get into our favorite part of our episode, the guest rotten tomato score. And so uh, currently in season two, Jeremy, you know, he, after he started off slow has just kind of gone on a run and he's currently up six to four. And so uh, Jeremy, do you want to give your guest for the uh, rotten tomato score for wrath of man? I'm going to guess that uh, critics didn't like it as much as I did. Uh, I'm going to say 72. Okay. You know what? I actually am thinking along the same lines. I actually gave it a lower, or uh, my guess is actually a lower score than my actual score that, you know, we'll reveal later. I'll guess 79. So you said 72 to 79. Let me look Mm -hmm. it up on Rotten Tomatoes. Look up Wrath of Man. And, ooh, it looks like Jeremy is expanding his lead. Uh, We were actually both right in that it is a lower score. And so with a tomato meter of 68, Jeremy has opened up another large lead Um, here in season two. He's up now seven to four. All right. And so that's actually with uh, 182 reviews. And so actually, you want to take a quick guess of what the audience score was? Um, I'm going to guess 85. Oh, actually a little higher. 91. Oh, 91. Okay. Sounds about right in terms of, uh, like, I mean, I, I felt like our theater, like the people that watched in our theater liked it (laughs) as much as we did. I mean, there was that one dude with the random comments that was actually pretty common, uh, comic. 
comedy. I forgot what I else say. he was saying, man. He was going crazy at like at the weirdest times sometimes. He was like, "No way." <laughs> oh, hell no. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like, "Bro, nothing's happening right now. What are you, what are you talking about?" Yeah, I know. I I feel like he was realizing stuff in his own head about the plot <laughs> and then he was thinking out loud, bro. Yeah, yeah, probably. Oh, so good. Well, Jeremy, uh, before we close out the episode, let's give out our final award, the I Love You 3000, where we rate the movie, uh, Wrath of Man, uh, rating uh, between 1 and 3000. And so, you know what? This week, I'm going to go first. And so, for me, I would give Wrath of Man a 25-20, which is about 84%. I did like a lot of the movie. Yeah, there was some, you know, kind of cheesy dialogue a little bit and it had Boyce, Boyce Wet Dave, who I wasn't really too fond of. But, uh, yeah, I felt like the action, the storytelling, the uh, the way it was filmed was, uh, I liked it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was, I'm pretty close to you, actually. I'm 2490 out of 3000, which is 83%. Um, I, th- I felt like the movie felt really long to me for some reason. I think something about the pacing of, uh, the chapters, it's almost like they have to almost restart every time the, a new chapter um, begins because they're basically starting from a new perspective every time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that probably affected the pacing. I did love like the, the storytelling of it, but it did feel a little long to me at, at points. I, not too much of a con, but um, yeah, 83%, I think is a really good score. So Jeremy, next week... We are revisiting our weekly real guilty pleasure series as we talk about a love story between a poor young man and a rich young woman. Will it all work out? We'll find out next week in the 2004 movie, The Notebook. And so this is actually a guilty pleasure movie of mine that I'll be sharing with uh, with Jeremy, who still has not seen The Notebook yet. Mm-hmm. So are you excited I'm pretty excited because I've seen other Nicholas Sparks movies before, which is weird that I haven't seen The Notebook yet, but I've seen some of the other movies. Um, I liked some of them, weirdly enough to say, uh, but I've never seen The Notebook. So, And obviously, it's a bit of a romantic classic, I hear. So (laughs) I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm going to go... Ooh, I'm going to guess. I'm going to say that you're going to like the movie. I, I feel like... Uh, the storytelling's pretty good, and and so obviously I don't want to talk too more of it. Uh, uh, talk more about it until next week. Uh, you know, Jeremy and I will be streaming this on HBO Max. Uh, you know, we're still not sponsored by HBO Max, but definitely stream it with us if you are a subscriber of HBO Max. And also for next week, we're hoping to have a guest from season one. So I'll leave you to kind of guess who that will be. And so before we close out, Jeremy, do you have anything to plug for the upcoming week? Yeah. If you want to subscribe to my YouTube channel, please do so at JP underscore flicks on YouTube. Yes. And uh, for me, um, I'm mostly active just on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, You can follow me at free Ken a and uh, the spelling will be in the notes. So uh, any final thoughts on wrath of man before we call it an episode? Yeah, man. Like I said before, I need to rewatch this movie. I've been re uh, listening to the soundtrack ever since we watched the movie. Yeah, dude. And I've been, I'm like, ooh, I feel like a badass. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm last night I was uh, doing a little bit of studying, and um, I was listening to the soundtrack pretty loud, 
and just out of the corner of my eye, my aunt scares me. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm, I'm in my little room, right? But she, I didn't see her like uh, kind of peek through the door. And this is late at night, so I thought it was the girl from the ring coming in my room. Oh shoot! Because she was in her freaking like um, nightgown or whatever with her hair down. I'm like, oh shit, monkeys! <laughs> And I'm like, oh, I don't feel like a badass anymore. <laughs> More like Boy Sweat Dave, eh? <laughs> yeah, right there. I was like, oh, yeah. Doo, 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 doo. And then, oh, man. Yeah, it's scaring me in the middle of the night. Oh, man. You know, I, I, I completely forgot. You know, I like to listen to movie soundtracks as I, you know, go through my work uh, day since I've been working from home. And so I'll definitely uh, try to listen to it tomorrow because... Um. Yeah, dude. I I I love the soundtrack. It, it got me hyped uh, for the movie, and it definitely enhanced the uh, the movie for me as well. Mm-hmm. And so again, um, I want to thank you guys all for supporting the Weekly Real Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Definitely go see Wrath of Man in theaters. It's out now, and uh, we'll see you next time on the Real. <laughs>